everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where there is always so much to talk about. I am a writer, I'm a writing coach, I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, and I'm a registered nurse with more than 30 years in women's health, almost 20 in labor and delivery. I'm a mom, I'm an avid maternal health and women's rights advocate, and that's my bank of expertise. So, big news, Congress just passed the American Rescue Plan of 2021, and President Biden just signed it, and in addition to providing relief checks, extending unemployment benefits, providing support to businesses, this plan also extends Medicaid coverage for postpartum women from 60 days to 12 months, which provides women much-needed access to essential health care after giving birth. This is huge for a couple of reasons. Right now, more than 40% of pregnancies and births in the U.S. are covered under Medicaid. More than 40%. That's a lot of people who are dependent on Medicaid to be able to get health care. But 60 days coverage after birth only gets women two months into their postpartum recovery. And after that, they're cut loose. A lot of women have no access to health care after that. However, an awful lot of medical emergencies happen after that two-month time frame, which puts uninsured patients at huge risk. A whole lot of routine medical care and healthcare support goes untended too, which means that manageable health issues can grow into great big health problems. So here's the thing. More than half of pregnancy-related deaths occur during the postpartum period, and about 12% happen after that you know, six-week mark when most of us are cut loose at our postpartum checkup. That's a huge gap, and I'm really grateful for our Congress members who voted to pass this important rescue plan. Thank you. What else is going on? Well, we are marking one year that we've been living with the pandemic. I know, I've said it already, but it's been like nothing I've ever seen or experienced. We talked a lot about silver linings this year, mainly because optimism and hope are my drugs of choice. But let's not sugarcoat what's happened here. More than half a million deaths just in the United States and a million worldwide. Billions of people around the world were quarantined, businesses shut down, and families lost their jobs, homes, and loved ones. This year has been catastrophic, but we're finally turning a corner. Now, with vaccines rolling out in every state and more and more people getting their shots, we're beginning to see what the future might hold for us outside of our houses. It's like the sun coming out after months of rain. Okay, that's a Portland analogy that my Pacific Northwestern listeners will totally understand. If you live in a sunny climate, then it's like the rain coming after months of dry dry weather. How's that? Let's see. Another big topic of conversation lately is about whether the COVID vaccine is safe for pregnant persons, whether pregnant persons should be eligible to participate in studies for new medications and vaccines, and the debate among pregnant persons about whether or not to get vaccinated. And what about pregnant persons who are teachers, nurses, and frontline health workers? How do we protect them? There's a lot to unpack there, and I thought we'd talk about some of that with this week's guest. She is an emergency room nurse who has worked the ER with COVID patients all year long. 
and is pregnant with her first baby. So let's take a real quick break and then we'll get our guest on the line. Okay, we are back and ready to chat. Lauren Frankie Hawk is a registered nurse who works in the emergency department in a busy Southern California hospital. She's taking care of countless patients with COVID and is now expecting her first baby. So let's get Lauren on the line. Hey, Lauren, it's Jeannie. Hi. How are you? Hi, good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. good. So, uh, Lauren, as you know, I'm up here in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Where are you? I am in uh, Ventura County, bordering on Los Angeles. It is a beautiful 85 degrees here today, so nice and toasty. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like barely 40 here. Oh. And it's ra- raining and gross. Oh, man. No, I just went on a nice long walk in a tank top and had to put the sunscreen on. We were all we were all working up a sweat. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that around here. <laughs> Well, Lauren, my first question is the hardest one. Uh-huh. Who who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Lauren. Um, I am a uh, an emergency room nurse. Um, I've been uh, at my particular hospital um, in North Los Angeles for, I'm coming up on five years now. Um, I started off as an emergency medical technician or EMT, as most people uh, understand. I've been an EMT since I was 19, so always very interested in the emergency medicine side of things. Um, and then worked my way up, went to nursing school and became a nurse. Uh, so that's me. I am uh, 27 years old. I am currently pregnant. Uh, just hit six months, 23 weeks uh, with my first little boy. It's my first ever pregnancy, first kid, my husband's first kid, uh, first grandbaby on both sides and first uh, boy in quite a while. My family is very female dominated. So uh, it's a very exciting, uh, very exciting welcome for this little one. But um, but yeah, my career is mostly um, is uh, emergency medicine. Uh, and then my husband is a firefighter. So the whole household is kind of uh, that side of medicine. Yeah, yeah. You're all first responders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you are an ER nurse mm-hmm. during the worst pandemic of anyone's lifetime, and you've been working with COVID patients since March, right? Yeah, so I was um, initially, um, back when the pandemic first started out in March, um, I was frequently uh, assigned to the COVID units. Um, most emergency rooms kind of designate separate areas for the COVID potentials that will be called the PUIs, persons of under investigation versus the um, more likely to not have COVID patients, just so that way we hopefully avoid um, uh, disease spreading amongst various patients. We try to keep them separated. Um, When the pandemic first hit in March, I wasn't pregnant or anything like that. And I was one of the younger, um, otherwise healthier nurses. So that was a position that I was placed in quite frequently. Um, When I became pregnant in found out I was pregnant about October, um, I was not placed in that assignment of being directly with the COVID patients as often just due to the risks, increased risks of um, contracting COVID while pregnant. Um, But at that point in October, COVID was so, so widespread that there's only kind of so much that my my job could have done to keep me fully away from from COVID positive patients. Unfortunately, it was just so, so widespread at that point that uh, um, there were plenty of patients coming in that we would have never guessed had COVID and just happened to test positive when they were being evaluated for something completely different, um, mm. or uh, even in situations where it just really was very unlikely to be the cause of their of their issues, and that ended up 
of course, being the, the problem. Oh my goodness. So they did their best. They really, they tried very hard to avoid keeping me near those patients, but uh, I was still getting uh, plenty of exposures. At this time, I actually, I had to go on medical leave in um, early January uh, due to uh, vomiting and uh, blood pressure, low blood pressure issues that have um, unfortunately been a very big part of this pregnancy. Um, but uh, otherwise, I was working from March up until early January. So how scary is it when you, you know, you go to work and you put on your PPE mm-hmm. and you get your assignment and you find out that you're taking care of COVID patients? Mm-hmm. What's that like for you? Uh, pre-pregnancy, it was one of those where, you know, I felt like it was almost my duty a little bit. This is what I signed up for. This is what I went into the career of. You know, I, I joined nursing to be a nurse. Um, you know, this is something where I felt like it was kind of my role, especially as one of the younger nurses to step up and really help in these areas um, to try to help combat this disease. It was definitely uh, scary in the beginning just to see the severity of it. Um, you know, there was so much where people just assumed, oh, this is just another flu. That's just what it is. But this was just, we, we quickly realized that this was just a whole different beast. And it was a whole different, you know, something that myself, even though I don't didn't have as many years under uh, my belt as some of the other more experienced nurses was still something that we were just so shocked in pretty early on of just what kind of a disease process this truly was. Um, so that was definitely uh, very scary. And then uh, becoming pregnant, you know, I it's that mixed emotions of there's already so many anxieties that come with just being pregnant in general, um, mm-hmm. especially with this being my very first pregnancy um, that came with, uh, you know, its own set of nerves and anxieties. And then on top of still having, um, unfortunately, times where there was just no way to avoid exposures um, and that fear that came with, okay, well, now I'm technically considered immunocompromised. I'm, I'm bringing this little, this little life with me into work. It's, it's a whole other uh, fear that comes with it. And, and uh, were your, supervis- your supervisors able to accommodate staffing so that they didn't send you into the lion's den? Um, as much as possible. They absolutely did. Did uh, You know, there, there are times where, like I said, you just can't avoid it. Um, situations where we didn't expect someone to be COVID positive yeah. and then we would screen them just for, you know, whether they needed surgery or they needed a procedure or if it was just a rule out where we really didn't expect that to be the cause of their issues and then they ended up being COVID positive. Um, but mo- for the most part, they absolutely worked their hardest to try to help avoid, um, having me in direct line of contact with these patients. Yeah. What shift do you work? I am lucky enough to work days. I, I don't know how I snagged that Woo-hoo. this early in my career, but I am 7am to 7pm and that's been an utter blessing. Three days, a week. Three days a week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's your work day like? Uh, work day is, um, Pretty, you know, it's you get there first thing in the morning. I try to get there extra early, get some food in my system. Um, we have a morning huddle where we sit down and talk about, you know, if there's anything we need to know about the unit in terms of, you know, if there's equipment that might be down or um, if there's any particularly critical patients that the nurse assigned to that area may need extra help with. Um, we talk about if there's medication shortages in the building or any kind of updates in general with management. Um, with staffing, um, get an idea of what the day is going to look like. They'll tell us, oh, you know, we're short a couple of our, you know, afternoon nurses or some of our um, afternoon technicians just to get an idea of what the day is going to look like. And then they pass out the daily assignments. Uh, You go to your assignments and get started. I luckily work at a hospital with really great teamwork. Um, 
I am really lucky where I work. Everybody is very good about helping each other in their various assignments. And if one nurse's uh, assignment isn't as heavy as another nurse's, people are really, really good about stepping up and helping each other. Um, so I was mm-hmm. very lucky in that aspect of it. And then um, our charge nurses are also pretty good about, you know, because it can be kind of, uh, kind of um, hard to work with the same exact assignment all day, especially if you have a very challenging patient or if you have a specific, particularly challenging assignment, um, they try to mix it up for you during the day as well. So maybe after lunch, you'd come back and you've done triage all morning and then you come back and then you're the trauma nurse for the rest of the day or whatever it may be. Hmm. That is, you, you have to know a lot of different skill sets to be able to do that. Absolutely. Our hospital is a, a designated level two trauma center. Um, so I do have my trauma um, nurse certification. Uh, our hospital is EDAP, which is Emergency Department Approved for Pediatrics. So we all have to be PAL certified, um, which is Pediatric Advanced Life Support. Um, we also are a stroke center. Um, so we do uh, both interventional strokes as well as just your standard TPA administration. Um, and, uh, and on top of just the fact that we are in an area that's uh, the poverty level, um, there's a pretty high level of poverty in our specific area. So we have a pretty high volume in the emergency room to begin with. Um, I believe there was uh, one day, like one of the highest numbers we reached was about like 400 patients in a day, which is just crazy to think about. Wow, mm-hmm. 400 patients. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and are you talking about just during COVID? This is just in general. Just in terms of just like, you know, the times where we've seen some of the highest cases. Wow. Wow. And now you're pregnant. And now I'm pregnant. It's been for you. Oh, gosh. It's it's so funny. My my mother, as well as my mother-in-law, both had wonderful, beautiful, amazing pregnancies. And I'm just not having one of those. Um, <laughs> you're having the other kind. I'm having the <laughs> other kind, unfortunately. Yeah. This, this far along, I, I didn't expect myself to still be vomiting this heavily and uh, you know, continuous nausea. And I've been having um, issues with very low blood pressure, um, which has been definitely quite a pain and been a cause of a lot, most of my medical problems. And it's just, it's not been as fun as a lot of people made it out to be. So, <laughs> but just taking so it one you, step at a time. Are the problems that you're having with your blood pressure related to the, is it like dizziness and nausea and all of that? Um, I think it's just, I can't keep volume in. Um, most of it is yeah. kind of related to the vomiting. I'm trying to get on a better regimen for my medication um, just to help mm-hmm. keep everything in my system. But um, uh, it's just every time I've seen a cardiologist, cause I have issues where my heart rate gets really, really high. Um, they just talk about how my volume is just so low. My blood pressure uh, is very low. Mm-hmm. I had an episode of fainting in my pregnancy. So it's just, um, I, I just am having a hard time keeping volume in my system. Yeah. That fainting during pregnancy thing. That's awful. I mm-hmm. hate it. And it's scary too. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's yeah. weird having that moment of time where you just, you're doing one thing and the next thing you know, everyone around you is panicking and you're going, wait, what happened? I know. I know. You know, when you're watching TV and you can always tell that the the character is going to be pregnant in the next scene because she faints mm-hmm. and everybody thinks that is so stupid. Nobody <laughs> really does that, but then no, it actually happens. It's happened to me. Yeah. It happened to me at, at a uh, world market and um, passed out. Oh, gosh. And when I came to the manager, the poor manager of the world market, probably some 20 year old guy who didn't know anything about anything, but here he's got this pregnant woman passed out on his floor and he was all ready to call the fire department and get them to, come scoop me up. And I told him, no, yeah. don't, I don't want that. Yeah. No. 
Yeah, and so he gave me some orange juice, and I got to go home. It was fine. Oh goodness, <laughs> yeah. I was I was lucky enough where I I guess lucky and unlucky enough, but lucky enough where I, I passed out at my place of work. Uh, um, I wasn't working that day, luckily, but I was I was on site on campus, and I just came to, and all of a sudden I see all my friends and coworkers and my preceptor rushing in to come help me because everyone around me called the ER, and I'm thinking, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not embarrassing oh, or anything, yeah. right? Being rushed through the yeah. whole ER in a wheelchair and everybody seeing you. Yeah. And, oh gosh, that was, it just hit, hurt my pride more than anything. <laughs> yeah. But that's a big thing about being a nurse is that it is an entirely human job. I mean, people are there at their most vulnerable, mm-hmm. most sick, most scared. And, you know, they're just plain human. Nurses are also just plain human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we go to work on days when our kids have had tantrums all day and, you know, we're pregnant and we have morning sickness and, 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 and it's tough. Um, sometimes, you know, there's some overlap there. Absolutely. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you recently got your first dose of the vaccine, didn't you? I did. Of yes. That was, that was my fainting episode, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so you got that at work? I did. Yes. You were at work. I got it at my place of work. I got it in anticipation of hoping to return to work, you know, because I'm still pretty early in my pregnancy. I don't want to be out this entire time. Um, I've been feeling a little bit better. So, um, I got it in anticipation of, you know, hoping to be vaccinated prior to returning to work. Um, but unfortunately that fainting spell, uh, extended my, my medical leave a couple more weeks. So we'll see, but I got my first dose. Um, I'm still waiting on my second dose, but my husband got both shots. So he is fully vaccinated. Nice. Mm-hmm. So considering that studies haven't been done on pregnant women, how did you make the decision to get vaccinated? Or was it even an option for you since you work in an ER? So it was really, um, it's, it was still an option. Um, my work, and I believe for most part, places are pretty open to it being your decision. I don't know of any um, facilities or um, hospitals, at least around here, where it is mandatory. Um, it is definitely very highly recommended, but it is always on the choice of the staff. Um, for me, it was definitely a very tricky situation when the vaccine first became available to healthcare providers. Um, I was still in my first trimester or just bordering on entering my second trimester. So I was still pretty early in my pregnancy. Um, and initially when they announced it to the staff of, Hey, we've got the COVID vaccine. You know, one of the first things that they mentioned is, you know, the CDC is recommending it to everybody except for pregnant people, because we just don't know yet. And so right off the bat, that was an initial fear of, oh gosh, like, okay, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the disqualified category. And even though I wasn't truly disqualified that, you know, I, that still was, would have been an option to me regardless. It still made, it had that moment of, you know, I'm the, the category that they really haven't researched yet. Um, and for me being a nurse, a lot of my, my entire career is around research, everything that I know it's about learning what the facts are and what ways we can best help patients based off of what evidence-based practice and what the top research is saying. And so just to not have the research out there really made it a very, very challenging decision for me. Um, And something that both my husband and I had to take a long time to really discuss and talk over. Um, I talked it over with my initial um, OBGYN and you know, for her, she was kind of stuck in this position too of, you know, she said it, it should be fine, but but I have no way to to verify that for you. I have nothing to prove that to you. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's so scary that, you know, to be carrying this little life in you that you are fully responsible for, that your body is, you know, possessing and, and caring for, 
to just go off of it should be fine. Um, that was definitely something yeah. where I had a lot of a lot of anxieties, a lot of sleepless nights about this particular topic because on the flip side of it, my husband's side of the family, he had two family members where they were both pregnant, um, one earlier in her pregnancy, one later in her pregnancy, and they both unfortunately caught COVID. Um, and both of them lost their pregnancies. Um, and that was very devastating, especially, you know, one of them was much further along in her pregnancy, um, to the mm. point where it was very unexpected and neither of them had particularly horrible cases of it, but, you know, just hearing about how horrible this, this risk is to pregnant women, it had that, the thing that I kept going back and forth with was, well, if I get the vaccine and God forbid something happens, that was a choice I made that hurt my baby, on the yeah. flip side of that, of if I choose not to get it, well, then choose not to get the vaccine and I end up catching COVID. That was another choice that I made that could have, you know, potentially helped my baby. So right. that was yeah. a, that was a really, really hard decision. It took actually quite a few weeks for me to finally decide to, um, to receive the vaccine. I mean, for me, I went on medical leave shortly after the vaccine became available to healthcare providers. So since I was going to be home for medical leave. I figured, well, I'm already home on quarantine. Might as well just hold off until I'm ready to go back to work. Um, and that way I could allow myself to be further in my pregnancy and hopefully have, um, if there, if at all any, you know, like I said, there's no research one way or the other, if there's any potential effects on a pregnancy or anything, it would be later on in my pregnancy. So, um, but it definitely was a, it was a very anxiety inducing, uh, situation for me. So you made the decision and you got the vaccination and then you passed out in front of your And then I passed out. Works. Yes, I passed out. And the, there's all these, you know, 65-year-olds getting their vaccine too. And here's this this young 27-year-old on the floor. So it just really didn't look good. So, um, yeah, so, that, so does that does that affect your decision about getting the second dose? That definitely was something that I, I had to ask my provider. Um, I talked to the ER physician that saw me. Um, cause I had a, I had to get a full workup just cause my heart rate got really high. My blood pressure was still very low. And when I recovered from my syncable episode, so I had to go in and get a workup and, um, yeah, but the ear doctor seemed to be very supportive of it. He says, you know, I think this was just a one-time thing. There was so much anxiety leading up to this particular, um, vaccine. You know, it's, it's understandable yeah. that the stress kind of got to you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it would still be beneficial for you to have that protection for you and your baby. And then I think, I think my OBGYN said it perfectly. She just kind of looked at me and said, no one's going to be able to give you this answer. You are, it, it has to be your decision. You're, I'm sure you're going to want someone to tell you, yes, do it or no, don't do it. But at the end of the day, nobody's going to tell you that. Um, nobody yeah. wants to be responsible for it and nobody knows. So, um, but at the end of the day, deep down, you know, right. You know, yes. You know what the best thing to do is. Right. If you can just get past the clutter and noise and fear, mm -hmm. you, you know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've, I've already got my second appointment all, all scheduled and ready to go. We just have a, a bit of a bigger game plan in terms of preparing for this one and better hydration and try to get some salt on yeah. board and get my blood pressure yeah. real high. So that way I have a little bit more uh, wiggle room for when I get the second shot. So. Maybe try to sneak in the back door at the hospital where you work so that not everybody knows you. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just kind of lay low. Lying, being, lying down with warm blankets. Exactly. On. Yeah. <laughs> Flat on my back, knees up, waiting for the shot. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that, that some of the nurses you work with who are pregnant are choosing not to vaccinate. Yeah. So um, that's a, it was actually that's a, a scary place too. Yeah. So, um, you know, and every nurse was 
was different. And um, so there, there are quite a few. I've, I've met a couple nurses outside of my line of work um, that have worked yeah. in other industries where they have made the decision to get the vaccine. And that was actually something that helped me um, decide to get the original vaccine was I reached out to these other nurses I have worked with previously and, and talked to them about their experience. And they talked about how for them, everything was just fine on both doses. You know, they, they got the body aches and everything associated with the second dose. But for the most part, they, they felt like they were just fine. Um, and their pregnancies were still yeah. continuing as normal. Um, but with um, at my particular line of work, um, at the time when I was working, um, when they first mentioned the vaccines, I kind of reached out to the other coworkers that I was working with that were pregnant and said, you know, what do you guys think? And they all kind of had those those same fears of we just don't know, and I'm not willing to take that risk. So um, that definitely seemed to be a, a pretty prominent decision initially because I've been on medical leave. I don't know if their decision has changed since that time in the mm-hmm. same sense where, you know, I don't think they know that I've gotten the vaccine in that, in that time frame. So who knows what they're doing yeah. now, but at the time when it first became available, um, there really wasn't anybody, um, in my industry that, um, or at, at least in my, my unit that made the decision while pregnant to get the vaccine at that time. You're a pioneer. <laughs> You're a pioneer. You really are. You and your colleagues are pioneers in in a system that is really um, showcasing how broken it is for many people and yet how efficient it can run when you have 400 people a day coming in and how it really just comes down to individual people like yourself showing up at work and doing your very best. Mm-hmm. It's showcasing a lot of that. and And these are things that have not been addressed previously, especially we, our generation, and I'm quite a bit older than you, (laughs) has not seen a pandemic. Mm -hmm. We've never been through anything like this. Mm -hmm. And you guys are showing us how it's done. Mm -hmm. You're brave. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, I know everybody's been working real hard and it's been a, you know, it's been hard to not be at work and not be with them in that fight. And there was there was a level of guilt when I came out of the COVID unit when I was pregnant um, of feeling like I was abandoning my team, especially because working the COVID units are, it's not very fun. Um, not only just due to the, the severity of your patients, you know, a lot of your patients can be, can end up pretty sick, but it's also a matter of you're in there, you're in this big plastic gown that is just, you know, sweat like crazy. You're wearing two pairs of gloves. You've got your masks on, or, you know, sometimes they give you this astronaut helmet that, has a little bit of a breeze that, that can help, but then this helmet's huge and your neck hurts and you got pressure points in your head. So it's definitely, it's, it's a hard unit to work in. And, uh, there's, I definitely feel bad that I kind of, I felt like I kind of abandoned my team in that sense of not working with them in those COVID areas, but they're, everybody's definitely very hard workers and it's hard to keep morale up right now with, you know, with what we're seeing and seeing all these spikes. Have you seen seen a lot of deaths? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's really, uh, um, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. You know, it's, it's hard to see these, these patients and how severe they are and, um, you know, intubating and, or, or passing away and, you know, really struggling because it's not the same where prior to COVID, if a patient was looking like they were getting ready to pass or they were getting close, we could essentially have their whole family there and everyone be holding their hands and, and talking to them and, and kissing their foreheads and really having that opportunity to say goodbye. And, and right now we're, we're missing that. Um, mm. And it's that I think has been some of the hardest parts is, uh, you know, 
knowing that if it was my family, I'd want to be right there by their side throughout all of it. And right now their families just, just don't get that opportunity. And you try to explain it over the phone and you're trying to paint a picture for them of what their loved one looks like, you know, so that way they can either understand exactly what's going on, but it's, it's just so hard to paint that picture of having to explain to the lay person who may have no medical knowledge at all or very little education what it means to be intubated, what it means to be on a ventilator, what, you know, what messing with the oxygen levels and progression of, of the settings, what that all means um, and trying to help mm-hmm. them understand that. So, but luckily our hospital mm-hmm. has um, chaplain services that are truly just an, an utter blessing. These, these folks that work with our chaplain services are just phenomenal at their job about helping us um, with the families and helping the families understand everything that's going on and, helping be that liaison for them. And are they the ones who are primarily present when someone does pass alone? Um, They are definitely um, a big, they are definitely there um, when the patients pass. They, as we've progressed through the pandemic, they usually allow two family members in the room if we know that Mm -hmm. the situation is imminent. Um, Unfortunately, you know, as for me being in the ER, it's not always, you know, as well known that a patient's going to pass, it's not usually a discontinuation of life support. Usually it's, we're that first line of they're coming in and they look really bad and we're trying our best to keep them alive. But, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, we can't save everybody, unfortunately. So, but they are there to help us Uh communicate with the family members and uh, Mm -hmm. be that support for the patient as well. Mm. You have a hard job, Lauren. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's really quite the, quite the experience in this pandemic has been, uh, you know, I, I had a a conversation with a nurse on one of my last shifts, um, who's been there for, you know, probably more than 20 years. And she just got teary eyed and she's one of those really, really strong nurses that you you kind of look at and just really, you know, one of those amazing nurses. And she, she got teary eyed and said, this is just amazing. This is like nothing I've ever seen before. Nothing I could have ever imagined. Um, and it's, it's so hard for us too, you know, to, see this all day every day and then to you know come out of work and see people on the news or on social media try to you know make it oh there people are over dramatizing this situation like gosh you know and and downplaying and I even had times where there would be times I'd be stationed outside of the hospital as the screening nurse and determining who I believe could be a COVID potential patient who I believe was safe to enter the main portion of the emergency room and I had a gentleman one time uh, come up to me and had no mask on and kept yelling in my face that this wasn't real and that this was all fake. And he demanded to go into the emergency room to see whatever family member and, you know, was just, you know, getting inches within me, just screaming about how this was all fake. Um, and luckily wow. we have a really good security team as well at our hospitals so that they yeah. were able to step in and I assist those, with that. Folks. Oh gosh. Yes. And our, our security team in particular is really amazing at their jobs. And I feel like I'm good friends with the majority of the security department, but, but yeah, but those situations yeah. as well, where it's, it's so hard yeah. to have this person just adamantly denying your life, adamantly denying everything that you see every day. Yeah, I have, I cannot understand that either. And I cannot understand even if a person has some sort of doubt, Mm -hmm. why they wouldn't just give everyone else in the world the benefit of the doubt and put on a damn mask. Mm -hmm. And all these people that say that, oh, I can't breathe. Okay, well, yeah. If you can can yell at me that you can't breathe through the mask, I think think you're okay. But it's... Yeah, 
you know, you're, we're nurses right. and we're here to tell you, yeah, yes. you can. We have done all, all sorts of, we love walking around with our uh, pole boxes when this, when the mask uh, uh, laws first came out, we, we would walk around with our pole boxes and our four layers of masks, it felt like, and just show yeah. people, no, look, we're still at a hundred percent. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like it. Right. You're inconvenienced. Yep. You you feel uncomfortable, but you know what? I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wear your damn mask. Try, try an N95. Yeah. Try to breathe through that thing. That thing is, <laughs> yeah. 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 A little cloth thing. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, you'll be fine, right. buddy. Yeah, buddy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's shift gears a little mm-hmm. bit before we wrap things up today. Just one thing we lab- labor and delivery nurses always joke about is how um, quick the ER is to send pregnant women our way. Oh, yeah. If somebody with a baby bump <laughs> comes in for even so much as the sniffle yeah. or a sprain, they send them up to labor and deliver oh, for yeah. an evaluation, oh, yeah. whether they needed it or not. And I can't tell you how many times I'd get the call from the ER saying they had a patient who was ready to deliver, you know, get out the red cart and they bring her up and um, we'd evaluate her and she'd be like one centimeter yeah, dilated totally having every 10 yeah. minutes and we'd end up sending her home. <laughs> And we joke, but the truth is, is that one mother is actually two patients mm-hmm. and one is a baby you can't get your hands on. Mm-hmm. So send that lady up to labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's, yeah. and what's funny too, is that, um, so there was a time period where we were so short staffed in the emergency room, we were, we were struggling uh, and labor and delivery had some extra nurses to spare. So they actually sent um, a couple labor and delivery nurses to be our screening nurses to help us up at the front. And it was, a, we loved having their help. They were truly amazing to have there. And it was uh, kind of funny to, you know, have that conversation in person where a, a <laughs> pregnant woman would walk in and she, you know, she was 30 weeks pregnant, complaining of indigestion. I'd say, no, 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 it's abdominal pain. She's pregnant. She's got labor delivery. She's, she's over 20 weeks. And a labor and delivery nurse is looking at me going, what do you mean? She's just having some acid reflux. And I said, no, no, I don't know that. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not here to monitor contractions or anything. She's going that way. So it was. You can monitor her. Right. You can monitor all kinds of things. A contraction's easy. Oh gosh. We just, it's, we are very, I, I am absolutely that nurse. It's like, yep, you've got, you've got a bump. Yeah. How far you're along are here. you? Are you 20 weeks in one day? Yep. You're going that way. Yep. Turn left. Thank you. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lauren, what else do you want listeners to know about you and your your work and what's going on in the world? Um, I think the main thing, you know, kind of what we touched on earlier is just that this is this is real. This is um, this is scary. This is a um, a really um, quite a quite an amazing sight, as a weird of an adjective as that is to say it's amazing, but it really is. It's just what we're living through in history right now. And just, you know, I, it's I, ironic today that we're having this conversation. We just passed the $500,000 um, yeah. mark. Um, so just yeah. really emphasizing how this is, this is out there. This is scary. And with, you know, everyday people are just so eager to get out of quarantine and so eager to rip these masks off and see their friends and go to parties and, and, and go to dances and everything, but there's there's a reason for all the restrictions and everything that we're doing. And I know, especially in California, our restrictions are very um, very high just due to the the volume of patients that we have and all the new strains that are coming out. Um, and especially yeah. for those that are pregnant, for your friends that are out there that are pregnant, I'm I'm lucky enough to have a great group of friends that are very understanding and you know will invite me. Hey, we're gonna have some people over for this event and. Um, very understanding of the fact, you know what, hey, I'm, I'm because I'm pregnant, I'm going to 
play it a little bit safer. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a high risk. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I had someone tell me in my, in my uh, department, one of the um, physicians tell me that you're just at my age, the risk of being intubated is so incredibly low, but um, being pregnant, my risk of being intubated is like 10 times higher. Uh, just mm -hmm. having that immunocompromised situation. I have a, I have a friend who's a labor and delivery nurse and she's delivered a baby um, via C-section to a mom who was intubated and that mom didn't wake up for a couple months and, you know, mm. woke up to her baby being uh, two months old because of how severe this virus is. Um, wow. So just, you know, as even though some eventually restrictions are going to start coming up um, or it's going to start left alleviating some of the restrictions, just really keeping in mind that the reason we're doing this is to try to keep that death count low, to try to help, you know, our loved ones, you know, those that are pregnant, your elderly, uh, your elderly folks, people with immunocompromisable diseases, even some with diabetes, you know, that seems to be one of the biggest things that I'm, I saw in the emergency room when I worked in the COVID units was that blood sugar just has such a big impact on the outcome of the patient. Those with higher blood sugars just really had such poor outcomes, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so just watching our own health, taking our vitamins, listening to our doctors, um, yeah. and still maintaining those safety precautions just to help everyone around you. That's really good advice. All right. Are you ready for some rapid fire roundup questions? Oh gosh. Okay. Let's get, let's do this. I think I got this. <laughs> okay. They're hard questions too. Oh my. <laughs> okay. Ready? Okay. What role does feminism play in your life? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? You cut out for a second there. What role does feminism play in your life? Uh, well, being in a female-dominated career, um, there's definitely a, um, a a sense of having that uh, female uh, companionship, I guess you can say, and ensuring that um, we're all standing up for each other, um, making sure that everybody is uh, having a voice and being able to vocalize um, their, their needs, you know, especially in, in the emergency department, whether or not we are arguing with a physician or whatever it may be, ensuring that everybody is, is, is spoken up, is heard, and is respected equally, mm -hmm. I would say. All right. That's a good answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Uh, nausea and vomiting does not end at the end of your first trimester. <laughs> It can continue for a long time. Be ready for it. Sad, sad. Yes. All right. My last question then is this. Where do you stand in the world of motherhood? Um, I'm a newbie, I would say. I am. Mm -hmm. This is something that I'm still adjusting to the thought that uh, in just a few months here, I'm going to have a little one looking up to me and, you know, calling me mom. That's just a uh, a concept I have I have not fully wrapped my head around and even as I feel his little kicks and I start getting a couple things here and there ready for his nursery and I keep getting wonderful gifts from friends and family and uh, clothes and bassinets and all these things um, it's a whole new world for me and and I'm I'm, I'm scared I'm, I'm excited I'm eager I'm I'm unknowing even as a as a nurse, as someone that I know the labor and delivery process, I know how it works. I know the stages, but you know, I feel like I know nothing. I feel like I'm just mm -hmm. a true, a true newbie to this. So I'm, I'm stepping into it, ready to rip off this blindfold and see what it's all about. Well, welcome. We're happy to have you here. <laughs> 
Well, Lauren, it's been really fun talking to you, really informative. And we will all be thinking about you as you go through the rest of your pregnancy and wishing you and your little new family well. Great. Wonderful. You'll Thank keep you us informed, having... right? Absolutely. I'll make sure to send lots of pictures of this little face when he finally decides to make his arrival. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Then you and I will talk again down the road. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said, Mama said, Mama said, That's it for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Lauren Frankie Hawk for sharing so much valuable, valuable information with us. You can learn more about me at jeanfalkner.com. Email me, gene at genefaulkner.com. Tweet me at genefaulkner. And find us over on Instagram and Facebook at Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. We'll talk again next week, everybody. Bye-bye.